0: like kind of one of my first memories listening to them was hearing sergeant pepper he put that album on in his dad's basement we were like playing pool and it just like blew my mind
1: welcome to something will happen a podcast about the largest beatles music festival in the u.s abbey road on the river celebrating our 20th anniversary may 26th to 30th 2022 I'm Melissa, one of the organizers of the festival, and I'll be talking about all things Abbey Road on the River held every Memorial Day weekend in Jeffersonville, Indiana. Whether you're new to Abbey Road on the River or you're a festival regular, if you love the Beatles as much as we do, you're in the right place. This is Something Will Happen. Something Will Happen. Let's get started. Cool. Well, let's get started. So this is our George Harrison birthday week and our birthday episode so i thought who better to talk to you than um a someone who emulates george harrison and has studied him in depth um so i'm talking to john ocker who plays george in hard days night hey melissa hey How there good thanks for being on the podcast i know that um yeah we talked to frank and michael a few weeks ago so now it's good to get you on and we'll have to get you know your ringo on for a ringo specific yeah we'll do <laughs> ringo's
0: birthday Sometime. Yeah,
1: yeah. I think yeah. we we will probably do that. So that'd be fun. But Yeah, um, thanks for having me. I appreciate
0: mm-hmm. appreciate being on it. Um it was fun listening to the Hard Days Night guys, Mike and Frank, and just hearing their stories and talking to the or yeah. hearing you talk to them. And yeah. Um, I got a few chuckles as I was out of my walk listening to the podcast. It was good.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah. Cause you know the way they function more than anyone else. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that was a great one. But yeah, I've listened thought, to a few. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Now. Yeah, yeah, um, digging it.
0: Yeah, listen to Gavin. You know, being a George right. guy, you George guy, Gavin. Mm-hmm. Uh, his was great. Uh, Joe Johnson, Hal Bruce. I listened to all those ones. Mm-hmm. So it's a yeah, pretty cool thing you guys have going on here. Uh, with yeah, the thank you. So yeah, enjoying c- trying to keep up with it. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, um, and those are people sure. that like you see every year for like years. So I'm sure it's interesting to like kind of get a different. um different view on them than just like, Hey, great set. Hey, whatever. Like, yeah. You know, I don't know if yeah, you're getting running, into running like having conversations stages. with them. Yeah. Right. Like you don't have much time. To, so, <laughs>
0: hey, so. Hey, see ya. Okay, cool. Gotta go. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> next, We got our next set over in uh, five minutes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It could be quite hectic. I imagine. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, but thanks for being on the podcast and I wanted to um, talk to you obviously about George Harrison and kind of about you know, everything that goes into, you probably know a lot about him as someone who like studied him and his the way he (laughs) looks and on stage and everything that he sounds like. And and you are a full-time musician, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so. So
0: yeah, I do other kind of tribute acts. A few years ago, I started playing in a house band at a venue called 31 West in Newark, which Hard Day's Night actually just played. Uh, There as well, this past weekend, Um, we had a short run like February 11th and 12th, -hmm. so we did that, and then we did Can't Stage, but um, yeah, play there, and kind of after being in the tribute world, like, what we would do with that house band is we would take just an album, we called it like the Platinum Album Series at first, and so we would just play the album straight through, and then the second set would be like Greatest Hits, of that artist so we did like a tom petty night we've done springsteen um pink floyd we did a zeppelin night when we did zeppelin four and we actually did sergeant pepper um in yeah. 2017 so like the year of the oh. 50th anniversary so it was really fun mm-hmm. um to do that so yeah that's um, cool yeah and then just playing around in other bands and things like that too so
1: mm-hmm. yeah but, uh, right and you um do you teach guitar also?
0: I do, yeah. Okay. yeah. So that's kind of my primary thing throughout the week. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm teaching online a lot now, which is kind of nice. Right. That started, you know, once the pandemic kind of right. reared its ugly head and we all had to figure out how to keep keep things going. Um, so I've been doing that online a lot now, which has kind of expanded things. I've had former students come back. Ah, we are nice. living out of town now, um, right. far away. And they're like, hey, why don't we just, we've all been doing virtual things. Let's just try this virtual lesson thing. So and it's actually awesome. worked. Yeah, it's actually worked pretty well. So, and I get to, yeah, I get to teach guitar, teach Beatles stuff, kind of mm-hmm. do what I love. And yeah, um,
1: yeah, it's great. That's great, so, yeah. So let's talk about how you, um, you kind of got into the Beatles and playing jo- or music in general, and then into playing George
0: okay well um i think kind of similar to you like it it was around the 90s and then similar to some other stories we've heard right where yeah um at least on this podcast where the the anthology for me was kind of when it happened i I can kind of pinpoint it back to that so it's like Mm -hmm. 95 ish i was about 12. um that came out i remember my dad had the cassette the first one, yeah. it had all the outtakes of the TV show on it and all that stuff. Yes. So you could hear him talking. I loved that one. Yeah, it was great. Um, but then I also had a friend in middle school who was really into him. Like he kind of knew everything about him already. And so we would hang out after school and I like kind of one of my first memories listening to them was hearing Sergeant Pepper. He put that album on in his dad's basement. We were like playing pool and it just like, <laughs> blew my mind it was (laughs) so cool and like every time i hear that album now just like the sound of it you know the first like crowd sounds and orchestra sounds that come Mm -hmm. on and even certain things about like the sound quality even if it's like the noise floor like hiss in the record or yeah reverb like that just kind of like always clicks and kind of takes me back even just to that day so you hear all the you know it's real weird We're i'm talking about it like somebody in the 60s who experienced it
1: who like saw ed sullivan and you remember that one day you got into him yeah
0: and like yeah i can just remember like the group of friends we were hanging out with playing pool in his basement and you know um but like when you when we do shows for hard days night we get that from older people, like, you guys took me back to my, you know, my kid days, my childhood days, and, Yeah, you know, and I remembered all this stuff when I first heard them on the radio and I was in fifth grade or whatever, it's just yeah. a, ah, it's a pretty magical thing, but I didn't realize in, at the time, but it was, I think it all kind of coincided with the anthology, I just didn't really understand that that's what that was at the time that came mm-hmm. out and why there was this like renewed buzz and i think they've been pretty smart over the years like to constantly have that like something's coming out Mm -hmm. and beatles fans are just awesome and great and they'll buy whatever that does come out and eat it all up which is wonderful and now i've become the same way if there's a new book out or if there's a magazine on the newsstand on like a people magazine that has George on the cover or whatever I'll just buy yeah. it because it's like oh I'll <laughs> check it out maybe I'll collect these things later or whatever right <laughs> um yeah but yeah it was that anthology and I remember seeing seeing it on like PBS like their their little promo runs of it and like if you order this now you can get the full limited release or whatever and I remember seeing mm-hmm. like hello goodbye and having some sort of it felt nostalgic to me but it I didn't really know what it was at the time. Yeah. It was like I feel connected to that. I don't know why. How interesting.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You got that nostalgic feeling like from early on getting into them.
0: Yeah, it was it was cool. And like I felt sad, like when you hear their story and it's like, oh yeah, they broke up and you feel sad. And it's like, Mm -hmm. well, I don't I shouldn't miss this, but I kind of do, you know, like (laughs) why is that? yeah why is that like that but so that's how i got into the beatles (laughs) i was into all kinds of music you know when i was about 12 i started that's about when i started playing guitar yeah um i was kind of drawn to like 60s stuff anyway like hendrix i was really big into as a guitarist Mm -hmm. Um, steve ray vaughn which kind of had that like hendrix uh, lineage i guess Mm -hmm. Um, those were like my two main like electric guitar influences but i always had the beatles there too i remember my grandparents got me like a a songbook with like their early songs i remember had this boy in it and i was really trying hard to learn this boy Mm -hmm. so even then it was like i think i got the past masters volume one listening to that a ton with sergeant pepper yeah so yeah even then i was kind of like trying to learn beatles songs and i don't know i think about too being a kid when That's all out already versus people who grew up, you know, they saw Ed Sullivan first and then saw the whole like progression. Right. They have just like a different perspective on it. Mm -hmm. When my first introduction was Sergeant Pepper. And then I went back and then I went forward and I went all mix and match all the way around. Like I didn't have that front to back lineage like other folks did or people did when they saw it as it was coming out growing up. So.
1: Right. Yeah. How interesting. I like, I mean, there's no way to compare it, you know, because it's just the way you grew up, but sometimes I wish I could experience like how exciting it was just to get like, Oh, another album's coming out and you haven't heard it. And now it's like, yeah, you can look up or even in the nineties, you could just access any of it whenever you wanted and listen to whatever. And their little interviews and whatever little snippets that, you can find. But at the time, it was like there were no s- songbooks really. You know, you'd have to like do it by ear and, yeah. you know, get yeah. whatever, take whatever you could get at the time.
0: Yeah. It's really yeah. interesting just thinking about that perspective on it and, mm-hmm. and knowing like stuff I missed. Cause like everything when it came out was like huge. Mm-hmm. So it was all there. Yeah. But when like for me, like, okay, I got really into Sergeant Pepper. Cool, like I had that for a couple years. And then maybe I listened to some other things, um, but then I was able to like leave it for a while, study it, you know, music in college and kind of get distracted with all the other stuff. And then after college, I came back and like my next album was the White Album that I really got into. Mm-hmm. And so then it was like spending a lot of time on that and then i would join a band and you know the leader wanted to do a cover and they wanted to do like hold me tight or something i'm like i've never i've never heard this song what is it like mm-hmm. i was never aware of that yeah and then and then flash forward to like when i actually was in hard days night or starting hard days night i would i would do the same thing with my other bands like hey let's play this song from with the beatles or one of these early tunes and they you know and i bring it to the bandmates and they're like, oh, I've never heard this. Like, this is kind of cool.
1: I love the way that, yeah. Different musicians in different bands. You can just discover a lot of things. I was in a band in college and I like, didn't know who the strokes were and they just always wanted to play the strokes. And I was like, (laughs) I'll just learn, I'll learn it. And now I'm like, oh, this band's great. Or right after that, I was like, how have I not known about this, but, um, yeah that's cool how you can play off each other with yeah and it's you know
0: sometimes you just miss things yeah right with and and especially now i think it's just really easy to miss things because everything's so oversaturated and we have there's so much content music yeah music music everywhere you know you go out to the mall or whatever and there's music playing it's like just Mm -hmm. constant
1: yeah it's all over the place yeah um, well how did you yeah go ahead
0: Oh, I mean just I was just going to say that's the uh yeah, that's kind of what we get now mm-hmm. with everything kind of being so oversaturated, I guess. So.
1: Yeah. It is interesting, it, like if we <laughs> we could do like a you know, people got into the Beatles when in the 90s and then go through like well we had anthology came out and then the Beatles one album came out, although that's already like yeah, you know, stuff we already heard, but and then You know all the other compilations like the love album came out and all these other remixes or interviews and things like that like going through those and each time one of those comes out you know even this get back documentary is like wow i never saw that you know
0: yeah and this could be some some people's first experience with the beatles seeing the get back documentary exactly yeah or the let it be naked i think think Mm like when i went to buy the let it be album that was the only album that was in the store so I was like, oh, okay, I'll buy this one, read the back. Oh, this is how it was supposed to be anyway. Cool. Like,
1: mm-hmm.
0: I guess I'm getting the right one. But then you listen to it and you listen to it with the original or with somebody who really knows the original that came out in, you know, 69, 70. Right. And they're like, well, this isn't, you know, the album <laughs> I know. <You> know? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just funny. Like, yeah, we have a little different view of the Beatles, maybe mm-hmm. a closer up, maybe a little bit more uh, in focus version Right, they got back then.
1: Yeah. That's interesting. I like that like camera analogy, like you can zoom in or you can zoom out and <laughs> like how, yeah. how into it do you want to get or like the interviews or do you just want to hear some songs, zoom out and zoom into 63 and zoom out and zoom into the Let It Be album. And <laughs> yeah. We can kind of
0: pick and choose what we want. Yeah. in the sixties, you got what you got Yeah. in the order you got it. And that's it. (laughs) Right. You'd be happy with it, you know?
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That was crazy technology. Um, But anyway, let me, um, how did you, so how did you get into uh, George? Were you always a big George fan or how did you get into starting to play him?
0: Uh, That's a good question. I mean, really it came with the gig, but. uh, Okay.
1: So did you just audition for the band because they were like, we need a George. And you're like, I can do that. Yeah, I mean, I answered.
0: so I answered a call. um, This was like 20, sorry, 2008. Mm -hmm. I answered like a call for an audition. And uh, my I guess my philosophy on it or why I wanted to do it it was like, well, these are like the best songs in the world. Mm -hmm. So this would be just a great excuse to just learn these songs because I like learning things. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I love learning different kinds of music. So I was like, well, these you know, these are like the pinnacle of songwriting. So if I wanted to maybe write my own songs or come up with my own arrangement ideas, like this is kind of the model. So maybe I'll I'll try it. It'd be a great excuse we had to have a gig, hopefully make some money and get to learn all this stuff at the same time. Right. And so that was really my motivation for it. Um went to meet Frank and Mike at their house, and we ran through a few tunes, and it went pretty well, so um, I think Mike's story on the podcast, too, was like, we were talking about it, and I remember this, too, and he was like, well, how quickly do you think you could, you know, be ready to play, and I think he was a bit generous, I he said, like, I might have said a couple months, I think I said, like, four weeks, I was like, oh, I can be ready, you know, right away, you know, And he was right. It was was a really rough first gig. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah, I just remember there's just so much to it. I think maybe especially being George, since since we're kind of focusing on George for this podcast, but Mm -hmm. there's so much that you have to remember, where you have to be, what you have to do, and what you have to play. It really complicates it. And it was even as much as I had played in bands before and as much experience as I had before, I still wasn't ready for that like trial by fire in Mm. the first gig. Right. Um, So I remember that first night, like when you, you know, when you have to go sing harmony with Paul or when you have to go Mm -hmm. sing harmony with John, like you were usually sharing microphones opposite sides of the stage.
1: Yeah.
0: And you have to remember which one to go to because the Paul's not thinking he's singing lead. He's not thinking, oh, George is coming over to sing on my microphone. He's just standing there. Mm -hmm. So I was running into Frank, and I was running into Mike, or like Frank would be at harmony position, and then I would be late to get to my spot, and then he'd be moving back to his lead position, Uh. and you know, we'd whack each other, or like he'd (laughs) elbow me, and I'm like bouncing all over the stage, so I'm just like... (laughs) yeah bouncing all over the place like getting pushed around and then trying to play like solos and then oops i missed that solo because i'm about to fall over <laughs> <laughs> right just, yeah yeah
1: uh, i don't think people think of all the theatrics that go into it like you have to move upstage, and then you move downstage, and then you're it you're, you're not just learning the songs and then playing them and like dancing around however it feels natural to you it's like you must tap your foot that way or you must walk over to Paul at those certain cues that it it is yeah. like a full act like you're embodying an actor or you are an actor essentially
0: yeah I mean as best it. we can
1: you know <laughs> <laughs> right. No, I, that it just adds that extra level of difficulty
0: yeah yeah and yeah like you said tapping your foot like George had his way of like tapping his foot to the side and Mm -hmm. switching feet where he was kind of like real light on his feet and sort of hoppy. Yeah. Um, So just trying to get those little mannerisms, how they moved, even how they held their guitars might not be natural to what we would normally do. Yeah. We might hold our guitar lower or or hold it headstock higher than George usually did. So like Mm -hmm. trying to get like match that, is difficult because we're you know i'm not the same person right so like <laughs> my joints and my body just doesn't move the same way george george's did so it's not natural for me and then doing all that in a suit like <laughs> playing true. you know playing in a suit if you're not used to wearing a suit like i mm-hmm. i never feel good in suits anyway
1: so like right and playing outside and being yeah. like sweaty in a suit
0: <laughs> yeah we in a big fur coat in a in the yeah. summer <laughs> in a suit
1: right uh, yeah oh that's not yeah that must be tough to like go from that like how do you get into that headspace from like playing with a different band or like playing as yourself and then be like okay now i have to be george because now i'm playing this Beatles show you know
0: yeah, um I almost find it harder to go like the opposite way now. Like not like not be kind more of natural. do George things and just be myself if I'm supposed to play like yeah. my own thing and be my own guitarist. That's yeah. almost harder now because I'm so used to like just clicking it on when I put a guitar on. Right. It's like, "Oh, okay, like play George licks and play, you know, <laughs> play George's style." Um
1: yeah, that, that must be tough to be like, yes, create, like maintain your own sense of self while playing, you know, and switching back and forth. Do you write music too? A little bit,
0: a little okay. bit. I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm like the strongest at that. So I don't do it a ton, but, mm-hmm. um, yeah, when, when it, when the time calls for it I, yeah <laughs> I, will. Um, I really liked arranging when i was in college so i ah. did that with but that was like big band kind of stuff
1: yeah did you um, yeah because you went to college for jazz right
0: yeah I, I studied like jazz contemporary guitar at capitol university okay um there was some classical involved too but it was mostly like contemporary guitar wow so,
1: so you like arranged a big band like yeah that was one of jazz our music and
0: Yeah, that was one of our classes that we had to kind of take was like jazz arranging.
1: Dang, that sounds really cool. That sounds really hard.
0: (laughs) It was fun. It was really fun. Yeah. Um, I really loved it because it was like a puzzle, Mm. sort of. Mm -hmm. Um, Because you have a set of chords and a melody, and you have to kind of harmonize everything within the um, ensemble. Yeah. But at the same time you have you kind of have like freedom to like use the, the instruments the way you might want to in terms of color or um, texture and things like that. so yeah uh boy, it's been That's a long cool. time since I've actually gotten <laughs> to do that.
1: <laughs> yeah do but, you know? oh go ahead.
0: I, yeah, I still I mean I still get to do it with like hard day's night stuff if we play. Mm-hmm with uh some we used to play with orchestras like every year, mm-hmm. so I'll get to kind of help um with that, but even you know even within the band, like arranging like vocals and sure. who sings what, I can at least use my ear to try to figure those things out yeah and and like kind of help the bandmates and kind of you know hear if we need to change notes or whatever. I mean, with the tribute right. world, it's like we, we try to hone in on, oh, what's John singing? Okay, John's singing that. So, well, that's our note for you, John. So, right. <laughs> Paul, what are you singing? Well, oh, it's obvious you're singing the lead. So you'll sing that. George sings this. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, so we, we do have strict confines, I guess, in the way we try to do things, but.
1: Right. Um, Not much room for like creativity until you like try to learn a new song i assume or arrange something with an orchestra
0: yeah i think that's where it it kind of comes into play the most is like the initial learning and kind of making sure let's learn it right first or as close as we can and then you know sculpt it chip away at it and make sure it's like you know where it needs to be by the time we perform it so Mm -hmm. or figuring out you know, the way we do things on stage, um, are there guitar parts that we can't cover or are there instruments we can't cover, like how we figure that out or how do we arrange things to kind of get the sound of the song for a live setting. So that's yeah another piece of the puzzle maybe that I took from the arranging that I could kind of apply to what we do now.
1: That's cool, yeah. and. Um when I talked to those guys before they said, um, that you guys bring a lot of instruments with you and do you have a sitar now is going to ask how many instruments, do. do you know, It's, it's right back <laughs> I was there. right behind you. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um,
0: well, yeah, so yeah, I, we bring a sitar with us. Uh, we got to do it this last run too. So we'll try cool. to do it when we're inside in theaters. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I mean, Kind of the things i dabble in i guess i wouldn't really call myself like a player <laughs> of all these things but guitar is primary um we play bass obviously i have to play bass for some of the hard days night stuff mm-hmm. um but I, have, I, I do ukulele that's kind of a george thing right right um, i teach that every every now and then i get a student for ukulele
1: do you ever play that me- with hard days night Or that's more george I solo No. don't stuff. i don't yeah. but
0: that would be kind of fun like do the paul something you know how he starts it right the way Nicoleli he does it yeah in honor of george but
1: yeah that'd be cute
0: yeah um and then yeah i have a i play mandolin a little bit and then i have a banjo back there but that's about all i can say about the banjos that i have <laughs> one <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> almost uh, maybe almost all uh, what i could say about sitar too but
1: yeah <laughs> no <laughs> play what you need to
0: yeah um, yeah, actually, I spent a lot of time on sitar. Yeah, so I think Mike and Frank were kind of talking about that a little bit, too. So we had the um. we had this long car ride for a show in Canada where we we're kind of coming up with our um Abbey Road in the River ideas because it was like right around the time that Gary was calling for like those set pitches. The
1: themes. Yeah.
0: For everybody. And so we're like, yeah, well, we're listening to stuff. We're like here's a great idea. <laughs> Let's try the whole Revolver album. I'm like, oh, yeah, great. And I don't know what we were thinking, but that was it. Yeah. Um, but we get to, yeah, we get to the Love You Too. Um, and it's kind of like, well, great. What are we going to do for, for that? But that's right. the George <laughs> tune. And it's like, okay, mm-hmm. well, um. So that was like, I don't know, late fall Mm 2015-ish. Like flash forward to like 2016, we have a gig in February and we're at a theater. So we have some time to like rehearse in between shows. And we're like, okay, let's get this Revolver stuff in order. Like let's start working on it. Mm
1: -hmm. And
0: so we get to that song and we still don't really have a plan for it yet. We're thinking maybe we could do guitar. Maybe I could just kind of fake it on guitar. We used to do that for Norwegian wood a bunch.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um but like in my little prep for that, I was trying to figure out like, okay, well, how do I make this sound like a sitar? And there was like no good solution to me. I think maybe deep down I wanted to like grab a sitar and play it and learn it. But I didn't know how I was gonna do that. Um so I was like, all right, well, let me try. There's pedals, there's these funky looking Dan Electro sitar guitars. Maybe I could get one of those. But everything I I don't know, everything I checked out, it was just like, mm, This isn't gonna really do it. Yeah, for not me. quite good enough. Yeah. Um, so we had that rehearsal and it was like we, you know, we got through the song. It was okay. And mm-hmm. uh it was just like, I don't know. I don't know if we're gonna pull this off <laughs> <laughs> um so I, I took pulled mike aside i didn't want to like rile anybody up with this but i was like hey, mike i think i might have an idea like let me just kind of figure some something out here and then we'll all rehearse again in like march april or something mm-hmm. and so my little secret plan was uh there was actually a guy in in columbus really close to where I teach and where I work. Um, his name's Hans Utter. I found out about him through another student actually whose son was taking from me, but then she was like, his, his, his mother said, hey, my son's been taking sitar lessons. Have you heard of this guy, Hans? Sure. I was like, no, but I'll keep that in mind. Um, so I kind of sought him out, found that he was doing an open mic kind of jam session thing. Cool. And so i was like all right i'm gonna find him at this jam session and so i went and met him told him like what was going on hey i do this thing with this beatles tribute i think i might need to play sitar um can you teach me how to play he's like oh yeah um and he had some really cool things to say about george he was like george you know as far as like a classical indian musician wasn't like a virtuoso by any means but he really respected the tradition and the instrument and the music. And he actually did a great job like incorporating the little things he did learn that were legitimate techniques. He incorporated those things in his music and you can hear him like learning them. Hmm. You can hear every time he learned like a new technique, it was in one of these sitar tunes or one of his Indian pieces. Um, So he's like, yeah, he did a really good job but it won't be too hard. It's kind of like this good mix between like good music and virtuoso actually taking it seriously and learning stuff. Um, he's like, oh, other bands in the sixties, you know, they didn't do so great. They hardly could tune the thing and it didn't sound great. <laughs> so, um, so I was like, okay, great. Like, let's hook up for a lesson. Um, by the way, I need a sitar. Do you work? Where do I get one? And he's right. like, well, actually I have one from an old student, they kind of quit taking lessons and sold it back to me. So I'll just sell it to you. And I was like, perfect. Simple. And it was actually a great, yeah, it was a steel, it's a decent instrument, because um, he bought it for somebody to learn on. So it was like, it's a good- Sure. Practice It's a working instrument. instrument. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> At least. <laughs> That's right. Um, So I put a pickup on it, and um, it sounds great Like when we play it in the PA. Cool, yeah. Um, yeah, but then I just like got to work every day or, uh, you know, I'm, I'm at home usually most, most days, mm-hmm. um, at the time my boy was, he had just turned one, so he was still like taking naps. So like, but the plan yeah. was like, all right, put him down. I have like an hour, maybe two hours and I'll just sit and practice sitar mm-hmm. like, as much as I can and get this, I mean, it's a really hard tune for your first <laughs> guitar song to learn there's he's soloing right he has that big long yeah intro like the free form i think it's called the alap solo um in indian music oh. so that's actually kind of like a technique he uses it's like this that intro yeah and then you have like the main form of the tune which is like the raga and oh, okay. then, sorry the outro section i think is the alap but uh anyway but where it gets faster right and he's starting to like really solo so that was like a big project That's in sense. Yeah. yeah starting out and that was the first one i learned i was like ah i'm doing this all out of order like i should have learned like norwegian wood or something just first, like the
1: beatles or... albums you know going from yeah. the <laughs> yeah and do everything in the... <laughs> to easier ones yeah. yeah
0: do it all in the wrong order yeah <laughs>
1: yeah um, but did you end up learning it for the festival that year
0: yeah so we and we actually got to do it um at the 2016 festival because we okay. were doing the 50th anniversary of revolver oh sure um which mike <laughs> you remember mike's story he, it always rains when we. Do i was revolver. gonna
1: ask is that the cursed album <laughs> uh,
0: it, maybe it's the sitar i don't know like it brings the rain uh is that a lot yeah, the monsoon, certain ragas or something. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
1: so raga I are, there... Yeah. <laughs> are there
0: monsoon season.
1: Are there different? I didn't know there were different like sections of the song. That's um, like the alop is the part where it gets faster at the end, and the raga yeah. is like more repetitive in the middle. Yeah, the raga
0: is like the main piece. Yeah. And then there's that intro piece. I I can't remember the name of it now. But, okay. Um, Basically, the intro piece is, you know, it's that slower, like, free-form. Yeah. So if, yeah just uh, like and if you're familiar with the films. song on the Revolver album, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's kind of slow, out of time. Mm-hmm. And the idea for that part of the piece um, is that it sets up the raga with the scale um, yeah. okay. that is going to be used throughout the raga. And then you okay. have, like, the actual melody of oh, the raga that's then kind of improvised on, and then you have the sure the ending faster yeah. bit, and so oh, you can kind of cool. see like George's song on that revolver album is like a little microcosm because ragas or Indian classical music or sitar music could be like very long,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, you know, maybe even an hour, um. But that's kind of the idea is like George kind of condensed it all he said he had that real short slower part his main tune and then the faster part and that fades Mm -hmm. out at the end. Yeah. Um, So yeah, he was using concepts, he was using, um, you know, traditional scales, so that one is in like our version of the scale Western would be a Dorian scale. Which is kind of like a minor scale. Um, in mm-hmm. Indian music, it's called coffee, like K K H A F I. but okay. they kind of translate. So like in learning all this stuff, I learned like, oh yeah, like there's a lot of Indian scales. It was so mystical to me, like how, how am I ever going to learn this stuff? Because I had heard like you have to do certain notes certain ways, and if you're going up the scale, it's got to be a certain group of notes, but if you're going down the scale, it's got to be different. Like Oh, how am I going to keep this stuff? Yeah. How am I going to keep this stuff straight uh, yeah. <laughs> and learn all this? This is going to be way too much. Um, but in studying with Hans and, and then learning George's stuff, like it kind of demystified it for me a little bit mm-hmm. because it, they, there are parallels between Indian and Western music. So, and George kind of like, I don't know. Maybe he kind of demystified it too, in a sense, because his his role in all this was like with Ravi Shankar was almost to be like an ambassador of uh, you know of Indian classical music, you know, from you know the east to kind of introducing it to the west into the pop world and everything. Yeah. Like I think that's kind of how Ravi saw him and hopefully re- like respected his. Um, influence i guess in Mm -hmm. that way um yeah
1: right
0: yeah but so like um all those like uh scales are really similar and so you just kind of learn oh it's just a it's just called a different thing like Mm -hmm. so it's just a different name same thing different name oh that's okay i can i can kind of different name
1: different instrument (laughs) yeah
0: (laughs) kind of cope with that right yeah yeah
1: (laughs) right I can see that helping with like it kind of clicking and being able to get it a little better.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: that's cool. Um, well, kudos to you. <laughs> that seems like a hard instrument to learn. Thanks. That's.
0: I mean, it's really beautiful. It's fun. Yeah. I mean, well, it's not, It wasn't fun at first. We we call it the agony stick,
1: right? Uh, oh, <laughs> yeah. Well, but you know. it like adds that authenticity to your show to be able to it, yeah. actually pull it out and use it and not have it be like a synth um, sitar yeah. or on guitar or something. Not yeah. that there's anything wrong with the bands right. that do do it that way because I know it's an expensive instrument and obviously very hard to learn. So,
0: Yeah, it was yeah, just physically painful to learn at first. Um, yeah. Just sitting with it and the, mm-hmm. like, the strings on your fingers are different. Yeah. I think because you're moving up and down one string a lot. Okay. And I was lucky enough to, like when I studied in college guitar, like we had to do that a lot just on guitar. So we like yeah. did the same thing just to learn our instrument better. Yeah. Um, so I already had that background of like doing that and playing scales that way. So it's just kind of like transferring it to a bigger, more uncomfortable <laughs> piece of wood and string. Right. Um, but I had never done it, it that much, I guess. And so like, yeah, there's it's painful on your fingertips that get yeah. blisters. And so like I had to even right. just like um, really pace fingers. myself when I started, you know, um, play for 15 minutes and like just make sure I stand <laughs> up and take a take break. A break and, <laughs> right. My legs are falling asleep. Can't stand up, you know?
1: Yeah. Right. Yeah. I use My fingertips. <laughs> yeah. 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 That'd, that'd be tough. Getting blisters on your fingers. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I was going to ask what uh, just switching gears, I guess. Um, Cause I talked to Peter Conrad and he was talking about, George's um, slide guitar a lot like how much oh. that was a big thing for George and now we're talking about George and the sitar which is so cool but do you have any like quality or something or a song about George that you really like um, relate with
0: oh that's that's good um, well I love his something solo I think that's like the kind of thinking about this a little bit more this week and just kind of Going, like, okay, what's like the best guitar solo? Mm-hmm. But you know, I mean, that could be right up there with one of the best guitar solos, like, ever, in mm-hmm. my opinion. Yeah, it's just perfect. Um, but it's so melodic. Um, I think there's so much about George, like, his progression from the early Beatles doing like Chuck Berry blues stuff. Um, to then what we see later with this more melodic style like in the something solo yeah but yeah his slide guitar was so unique um i was actually just listening to cloud nine last night and Mm -hmm. and uh yeah the way he approached slide it was different than other people i've ever heard you know it's usually like a bluesy kind of swampy thing Mm -hmm. but he was really melodic with it And i think it came from the way he learned sitar because it's all very mm. linear up and yeah, down one like string, one string. Mm-hmm. yeah and he was able to do that really fluidly and stay in tune which is really hard to do <laughs> um and i think the sitar helped with that but oh,
1: that's interesting
0: yeah Ah, uh, yeah his his slide work is great mm-hmm. and the sounds he was getting on that like on that cloud 9 album are just really cool like they're yeah. not they not what we would hear as like maybe conventional guitar sounds. I don't know how he got some of those sounds, how do you do but, it? Yeah. yeah, um,
1: that's cool. What is it about the something solo that's so, is it just like the, the slowness of it or that it's just not, I like the, like that it's not rushed, you know, it's not just like yeah. I'm going to try to fit in as many notes as I can, like, <laughs> um, exactly. which some solos can be just like fit it all in, but. The Beatles didn't really do that as much, but
0: um. yeah I think I mean that was that was his really his strength too as a guitarist, like his solos were always really nice and tasteful. Mm-hmm. he always played to the song well um, but the something solo, specifically, yeah,' it's just beautiful, like the way he approaches certain notes like. He's not just picking a note, every note is like a picked note. He's doing bends in really unique places and mm-hmm. sliding real low to real high from one note to another.
1: Yeah.
0: And but it's, it's that melody, it's like you could almost sing it. Yeah. Um I think maybe there's I heard somewhere that there's like an isolated track and you, you can actually hear Paul like singing it along singing really? along with it somewhere. Yeah oh cool some i can't remember where i heard it but somewhere somebody said that there's like a isolated vocal track and you can hear paul on kind of off mic like yeah like singing the solo (laughs) along and it's like that's it
1: it's you can sing it and uh, yeah yeah oh that's very cool um yeah i think i never really got into that song but like everyone's like well, something's my favorite george song and i'm like oh what a snoozer like it's so slow it's so like <laughs> lame like what is the something what is it like come on i need yeah. more words but I think, like, well, what so did he each, right
0: like, yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah like a grapefruit I've, or a water or cauliflower whatever. <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna get back i need yeah. another word i can't uh, can't find the word
1: <laughs> oh, yeah i forgot about say, that uh,
0: just say cauliflower until something comes to you yeah
1: yeah <laughs> I mean, he grew as a eggs. songwriter,
0: you know. Um, mm-hmm. One of my favorite Abbey Run the River memories is mm-hmm. getting to see Jeff Emmerich. And I know some other mm-hmm. people have talked about that before on the podcast too, but
1: yeah,
0: his, his point um, in some of that discussion was, um, you know, I think he was noting that maybe George's family or George fans were not really happy with how the book he wrote kind of portrayed George, but he kind of said, well, they're missing the point because I was trying to show how he struggled at first, but he grew through the whole career of the Beatles and became Mm -hmm. at the level of Paul and John as a songwriter, but by the end with here comes the sun with something with while my guitar gently weeps and then, propelled himself into a triple album with all things must pass right like he had all that stuff ready to go Mm -hmm. while they're you know while they're recording let it be while they're recording abbey road he's got this backlog of songs Mm -hmm. it's just amazing you know that progression of a in that development of him as an artist and as a musician yeah
1: Yeah, that's, that's a really cool way to put it. Just, yeah, you do see his growth through the whole Beatles career. And those are like, you know, chart topping like hits that he does comes up with at the end. And then he's just kind of not take still not taken as seriously. um, As John and Paul,
0: which I mean, you know, they're all great. Mm -hmm. We don't want to cause any factions among our (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> friends and fans yeah, but right but i mean like he had yeah he had his place i think by the end like as an equal with with john and paul um, yeah for sure
1: um, that's it's good that he could yeah i mean i'm like the all things must pass album is just like amazing so.
0: well yeah and somebody somebody on like a thread on like a reddit thread mentioned one time if if George like held those two songs back from Abbey Road and put them on All Things Must Pass. Mm-hmm. They kind of said like that would be like the album of the century, you know. Yeah. Like, if which he two would songs have,
1: are
0: those? Um, Here comes the sun and oh, and and, uh... and something like if mm-hmm. he would have like held those two and put like kept them for All Things Must Pass, it'd be like boy, like there would be yeah. no topping that album. Like,
1: yeah. <laughs> That's interesting to think about. Or if like All Things Must Pass got on the Beatles album, would it have been even, you know, it's a Beatles song and had that name behind it. I don't know. It's interesting to think about what would have happened.
0: Yeah, I mean, and I love that he didn't, honestly, because like, those are Beatles songs. Yeah. yeah, Mm -hmm. You know, like, if he would have saved those two, it would have, I don't know. Yeah. You think about all those other things, like all these hypotheticals well what if this what if that and well it's it's just the way it is and we're lucky it's the way it is right
1: i know we could spend all day arguing (laughs) about it (laughs) yeah Yeah, we're lucky we have
0: this band to listen to all the time
1: (laughs) exactly yes and and all the solo careers that came after but yeah yeah well thanks so much for taking the time i'll let you get on with your day but um this was this was so great to learn more about George or your interpret, our interpretation of George and kind of learn more about you, you know, because you didn't get invited to the other yeah. Hard <laughs> Podcast. Episode. I was just crying so much. <laughs> I, I left was you clutching out of that my one. <laughs> ice cream on the floor in a fetal position. You're like Abby, don't care about me. <laughs> Frank and Mike, just the George of the band. That's right. Always get the attention.
0: (laughs) Yeah, we (laughs) joked. I was like, "Don't worry." I was talking to Pat. Don't worry, Pat. Like we're just George and Ringo. We're never invited.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Right. We'll have to get Pat on one too. Yeah. In the future, but but thank thank you for uh, taking the time to talk today and. This yeah, is very, very cool to get some more insight on this.
0: Thanks. I appreciate it. Um Hey, I just want to give a shout out to um, yeah. the guy who did the music for the podcast. I, I really dig the... Yes, uh,
1: King Mixer. King Mixer. That's right. <laughs> that's a, yeah. He a, actually
0: it. contacted us after Frank and Mike um, did their podcast and just said, hey, and he enjoyed the podcast and has uh-huh. been to everywhere on the river and enjoyed some of our sets. So it was really cool. We got like a new connection beetle connection so, uh,
1: yeah. yeah 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 and he has a and... podcast too so you should check out his beetle drama podcast oh okay yeah i should send it i should send it to you but it's called um i think it's beetledrama.com i think it's on that it's called a day in their life and it's this Beatles dramatization of the start oh, of the Beatles, you know career like their lives and how their parents met and like it just uh it's very cool it's like a you know old time radio show listening to like oh cool footsteps and like you know all the sound effects and you know a radio on in the background while people are talking and you hear these oh, neat. stories and like you hear these moments where you're like oh that's what's gonna happen or this is what they're talking about but before they're like came up with it you know it's cool yeah i'll send it to you yeah
0: well he did a great job on the music it was like kind of everything you would think of as like a beatles song like with the reverse stuff and
1: right yeah, the yeah. Riff, like it's a...
0: sort of uh you know like another song yeah. we've heard before <laughs> right i don't know if we're allowed to say it because it's too close <laughs> yeah, I don't
1: know. yeah yeah no he did a, he did an yeah. amazing job at it because i was like i need something Beetles sounding but we can't use any beatles music so right. <laughs> it was like that's when you come up with that's amazing yeah It was perfect.
0: I like it. Well, thanks um, for having me on. I really appreciate it.
1: Yeah, thank you. Yeah, and we'll um, we'll talk soon and see you in May. Thanks for tuning in to Something Will Happen. Remember that Abbey Road on the River is happening May 26th to 30th, 2022 in Jeffersonville, Indiana. To start making your plans, head over to AROTR.com. There you can see the full lineup of bands that are coming, check out shows we're planning, book your hotels, and grab your tickets while you're there. Head over to AROTR.com slash podcast and enter your email to get $5 of Beetle Bucks to use at the festival for food, drinks, and our exclusive festival merchandise. For the most up-to-date information, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. We'll see you in May. Something
0: will happen.